Correct. Mm. How many abstract artists does it take to change a light bulb? Mm, I don't know. Fish. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, that, that one's pretty shit. What do you call a What do you call a guide dog that does magic tricks? What? A labracadabra. <laughs> okay, stop, please. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, as always, I'm joined by uh, Graham again. Thanks for coming back, Graham. Yeah, it's good to be back. Hi so, everyone. So Graham and I are both pretty busy today. We've, uh, we're in the oncology theatres and we've got senior registrars doing all the work while we sit around drinking coffee and contemplating our next podcast. Mm. Um, no, it's been a busy day. It has, yeah. yeah. So I thought um, we've got an interesting uh, topic to discuss, but I thought maybe we just um, have a uh, it shouldn't take too long, so we'll have a bit of a chat because it's been a while since we did a podcast. Um, what's been happening in your world, Graham? Well, been exciting. Uh, well, a few kind of personal challenges involving <laughs> family members, the usual things. Yeah. Um, the ANSCA, Australian New Zealand College of Anesthetist ASM, was uh, postponed. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's been put back to 2022, I believe. Yeah, that's right. To so, be reconvened in so, Perth, yeah, our um, uh, home city. So that was um, supposed to be run about six weeks ago now. I like guess it's been a while since we've done a recording, but that obviously got um, postponed. So everyone was a bit, um, oh, it was mixed feelings, wasn't it? I suppose yeah. it was less work for us, oh, that's for sure. But um, A lot of work had been done. A lot of work had been done, and, uh, and of course, if, uh, there's a bit of a feeling of disappointment that it never came to anything. But mm. also... Um, I guess that's just um, part and parcel of what's been happening recently. Yeah, and it was postponed for the right reasons. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so the other thing I was going to mention is, so I think last year we uh, we mooted this idea and I, put, uh, I fiddled around and found a, um, a, a a widget, I think they're called, when you put them on. The <laughs> Those things <laughs> on that go in the bottom of your Guinness can. <laughs> this is what it's called when if you run a web page, which is the things you learn when you when you get a website, the widget that allows you to run a poll. So I think I asked people to like vote for various things and then completely forgot that it was even there. So Graham and I were having a look at what was on there. So there's a few things that have, um, people have voted for, which we, one of which is um, today's topic, which is good. So that I, feel oh, like, I feel like I am actually addressing what people have asked for. Some of the topics we've, uh, we've had a look at, um, and they are quite complicated. And we, so it just depends on whether we feel like we're qualified enough to answer the questions in a, um, uh, what's the word? Systematic? In a, in a manner where, Professional? where we um, <laughs> where we actually know enough about the topic to, to feel that we should be broadcasting something about it. Um, I think we can have a go at most yeah, of those topics. We can, yeah, I think we can too. Mm. Some of them we might have a think about how we're going to do it and maybe if we see if we could find someone else around the traps who who is um, more knowledgeable, say, say a specialist in another area. Um, who might be able to add something to the discussion. We mm. could always have a crack at it ourselves, which is what we normally try and do. But exactly. Um, like today's topic, we're not really endocrinologists, are we? But no. we're going to have a crack anyway. Um, yeah, so that's good. So keep keep those coming in uh, if you've got any suggestions for interesting topics. And please, um, let it, uh, yeah, uh, I think the widget allows you to, to type in new ones if you've got some. All right, so the last time I sat down with Graham, we had a quiz... Who was the picture of in the quiz? 
Graham? I think it was someone uh, famous. Yes. From the medical was frater- it a, fraternity. Was it, was it a doctor or a serial killer? I think it may have been a doctor. Yes. Uh, I think it may have been <laughs> Dr. Sheehan. It was Dr. Harold Sheehan. Not Dr. Harold Shipman. That's right. I only realised afterwards that, in fact, um, the serial killer, <laughs> Dr. Harold Shipman, has a very similar name. So uh, that was um, a stunning coincidence. But, yes, this, this person was, in fact, Harold Sheehan. Who was uh, who was he, Graham? I believe in uh, well, he's a man with an eponymous syndrome named after him. Yep. Therefore, must have been very learned, very observant. Uh, originally from Scotland, I understand, uh, and describes Sheehan syndrome. Yeah. So he's a pathologist working in Liverpool who wrote, uh, wrote into I think it was Lancet, with, um, describing a whole case series. Yeah. You know, describing his experiences over over a period of t- long period of time with um, all these pregnant women who had. Uh, he had done um, autopsies on it and discovered that they had no, basically had no pituitary gland. Um, so this, you know, he was credited with being the person to sort of, you know, highlight this um, association, mm. and thus had the name, had the syndrome named after him. Um, so today's topic. So shall we start with the hypothetical case? We usually, it's usually good to d- sort of base a discussion around it, like a hypothetical case, which. Um, sounds like the sort of thing that you could come across in real life because it makes it easier to mm. attach all the knowledge or the learning to it. Have you seen many cases of Sheehan syndrome? I have seen at least zero cases. Yeah, I've seen at least one. <laughs> You've seen one person who's, who was diagnosed with it. That's correct. But I suspect that I have looked after at least one or two people yes. in, here in the last 10 years at this hospital mm. who have probably gone on to have some form of the syndrome, but... We'll probably never know that. Yes. Um, but definitely there's heaps of women who we, we've looked after who have come through this institution who will be at a high risk of it. Yes. Because of when we discuss a little bit further on the pathophysiology of how it um, um, occurs, and, you know, I know lots of women who have experienced that sort of thing, mm. including one, you know, one or two in the last week. Okay. Yes. So so the hypothetical case, so, so a woman in her late sort of 30s, presents to a GP or maybe a gynaecologist or fertility specialist um, and she complains of um, fatigue, um, depression or de- poor mood, um, hair loss and then uh, you know, it's, um, quite common as well as infertility or amenorrhea you know, or, or um, infrequent menstruation. Uh, so these are the sort of things that might lead someone to go and seek sort of medical um, attention. Yes. So what do you think about that? Um, oh. Is that sort of... I mean, it's a, a vague constellation of symptoms which uh, for which there's a broad differential diagnosis. Uh, yeah. And uh, it would take careful history, examination and investigation to make the diagnosis of Sheehan syndrome. Yeah. Without many other um, diagnoses, diagnoses and potential treatments being considered. Yeah, that's right. So basically, mm. it's a really vague and um, very similar to many conditions. Like you know, that, you hear that sort of thing and you think depression, um, a whole whole host of other things. Yeah. You know, iron um, deficiency anemia. Iron deficiency anemia. Um, hypothyroidism. Yes. Alone, obviously. Obviously, mm. that could be that will be part of Sheehan syndrome. Um, and she tells you actually that she was given you know, proxetine or an antidepressant and tried it for a while but it didn't really work <clears throat> but you know being a, a studious doctor you've, you managed to elucid, uh, 
uh, a history and she tells you that during the birth of her last child, which is uh, nine years earlier, she had a big hemorrhage and ended up being put in an intensive care unit for a few days and was in hospital for a week or so and mm. she got transfused some blood and um, and that comes up because you do a thorough history or perhaps you know her well because she sees you in your practice or, um, or somehow you've elicited this history. And I guess that's the key point, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, is to think about that. But often, um, so one of the other difficulties in the diagnosis, I was going to talk about this a bit later, but sometimes these women who have these big postpartum hemorrhages, they have things like uh, hysterectomy as part of the management of it. And then, of course, you know, some of the sort of things that might trigger you to think of this, like amenorrhea and infertility, aren't really going to occur to you because, you know, she had a... She's had a hysterectomy, so and she won't be complaining of those things. So, yes. So then it's, it really is just these um, rather sort of generalised um, uh, symptoms of, you know, decreased energy, libido, hair loss, weight gain, puffiness, etc. Yes. Yeah. So I think we've jumped ahead a little bit. We better talk about the anatomy and the physiology mm-hmm. and what, what Sheehan syndrome is. Yeah. So Sheehan syndrome is loss of tissue from the anterior pituitary gland yep. uh, associated with severe um, hypotension uh, and or hypoperfusion of the anterior pituitary in yeah. the context of a postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah, so what's the pituitary gland? Let's, let's Homer Simpson it. Oh, the pituitary gland. So pituitary <laughs> gland is a, uh, a gland. Don't in give me the, that mumbo-jumbo yeah, talk. Yeah. Oh, gosh. In the, <laughs> in the brain. Yeah. yeah. It's a... It's a it's a it's a it's a uh, a multi lobar structure. It sits in uh, a specialised uh, area within the skull called the cella turcica, yep. uh, and uh, has at least an anterior and a posterior and possibly an intermediate lobe, yep. uh, which uh, has unique functions. So, the posterior pituitary is the site where the uh, hormones ADH and oxytocin are secreted. The anterior pituitary, which is the area that's affected in Sheehan syndrome, is the uh, site where a series of hormones are released, and they are growth hormone, ACTH, or adrenocorticotrophic hormone, thyroid-stimulating hormone, the gonadotropins, which are... um, Luteinizing hormone and follicular stimulating hormone and prolactin yep. are secreted. Okay, yeah, correct. And um, the posterior lobe, which is the ADH and oxytocin one, that's just thought to be an extension of the hypothalamus um, and it has a sort of different controlling mechanism where it's actually just the neurons in the hypothalamus, uh, and the, whereas the anterior lobe is quite different. Yes. But we're not going to get into all that details, but either they are sort of, even though they're they're together in the cell they're considered fairly different structures. Yes. Um, and, of course, the uh, release of those hormones from the anterior pituitary are under the control of release of uh, other hormones from the hypothalamus. Yeah, that's right. So they're both, they're both uh, controlled by the hypothalamus yes. as well. But yeah. Mm. All right, complicated. So basically it's the major endocrine controlling endocrine gland in the, in the body. In the brain. Yeah, yeah. in the brain. Yeah. And it... Yeah, well, the hor- those hormones control most of the other endocrine glands around the body. That's correct. So it's like the the way that the central nervous system can interact with the endocrine uh, system, I yeah. suppose. Yes. Um, 
So, why do pregnant women uh, infarct and lose their uh, and, and destroy their pituitary gland when they have a hemorrhage? Do you want to play have a crack at this? No. Yeah. So, I could. I could try. So we we. Both of us sound very clever, but we've been reading um, some very good review articles, we, which we will um, quote, uh, or which I'll put on the website, and um, they've, they've explained it to me very well. Because, I, I, I mean, I sort of knew that, oh, it's obviously something to do with the fact that it needs more blood uh, and is more prone to infarction, but that was about the, hmm. the most I sort of thought about it in depth. Because most patients who have equivalent volume hemorrhages who aren't pregnant aren't at risk of this That's syndrome. Right. They don't really get it. Mm. Yeah. So why is it what's different about being pregnant and having a hemorrhage that you end up losing your pituitary gland? So basically the physio- pathophysiology is that um, during pregnancy your pituitary gland enlarges a lot. Uh, somewhere between 100 to 130%. And that's mainly because of the number and the size of the um, prolactin secreting uh, um, cells in the anterior pituitary increase and that's obviously those are in charge of uh, controlling breastfeeding so that sort of makes sense doesn't it mm-hmm. as you uh, when you're having a child you need to um, get ready for when that child's about to be born so the so basically the pituitary gland swells or gets bigger in preparation for the need to, to increase the release of prolactin for breastfeeding um, because the pituitary gland is in like an enclosed space this that swelling puts pressure or compresses to some degree the, the two arteries that supply the that part of the pituitary, the superior hypophyseal arteries. Mm-hmm. So so there's a bit of compression on those arteries as well. Uh, and of course obviously the requirement for oxygen and blood flow has gone has doubled as well. So that's why if something bad happens, like a big PPH or I guess I don't know whether it's possible with other forms of shock or collapse in pregnancy, but it's been mainly described with hemorrhage. Mm. That um, if you have a prolonged period of time where the blood flow through those uh, vessels is not great, then um, then they uh, you can basically infarct your your anterior pituitary and all the cells, and it will die from lack of blood flow and oxygen. And then the supposedly over time, um, the necrotic tissue um, then stimulates an immune response, and it's possible that sometimes they develop antibodies to the remaining cells, and then the body um, destroys what's left. And so I guess that they, one of the theories is that's why it can slowly progress and get worse over time. Mm. Question for you, Graham. Mm. What's the average or median time to diagnosis of, of um, Sheehan syndrome in an individual after they have their PPH? I think it's quite a while. Yeah. Years. Yep. So one study in France where they looked at um, a large cohort of women with Sheehan syndrome, the median time was nine years. Right. And another study in India... What was the what was the median time to diagnosis? Twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. Mm. So you can see why it gets missed because were these uh, pathological diagnoses? <laughs> I don't know. Well, presumably, I don't know. Actually, <laughs> I feel uh, I've just read the um, statistics, but I think the French study. I don't think there were like autopsies. I think there were. But I did download. Well, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't print out. But I did download Sheehan's original paper, and I think it was nineteen years. Yes. And uh, so that was in the. Uh, I think it was in the 60s and 70s. I mm. can't remember, actually. Mm. I'm, I'm pretending I'm making that up. But it was a while ago, his paper. And, the, yeah, he was obviously seeing them post-mortem. So that was the complete diagnosis had been completely missed. Exactly. I think it was early 70s, the paper. Yeah, it might have yeah. been. Yeah. yeah. So mm. probably um, 
And the, what's the incidence? So how, how common is it? Yeah, so it depends upon the population, but there's some high incidence in some populations from uh, India in particular, where I think yep. uh, as many as 3 in 100 women having postpartum hemorrhages uh, develop Sheehan syndrome. Yeah, so that's really high, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, then the, the best study looking at this in uh, the developed or sort of you know, wealthy countries is, was by a cohort study done in um, Iceland where they have a captive population of three or 400,000 people, and I think the incidence was five and 100,000 women, which is rare. Having a PPH? Or We're having Sheehan syndrome. So if you get 100,000 women, so yes. presumably in Iceland there's yeah, three or 400,000 populations, so there must be a couple hundred, say 200,000 um, females. Mm. So 10 of them. Okay. That, that's, um, that's still rare, but not as rare, anywhere near as rare as they thought it was. No. So it's actually more common than they thought. And, and, those, um, uh, and those women, they also had a very long, long um, latent time between developing uh, between getting it obviously and or having the hemorrhage and having the diagnosis yes so there's probably other women out there who with lesser or less severe forms of it who might well have been missed mm. um does it matter what happens if you if you don't have all these hormones right oh potentially it definitely impacts upon energy levels impacts upon uh, quality of life potentially causes um uh, infertility Amenorrhea may impact upon breastfeeding, yep. uh, and then um, puts patients at prone prone to problems like um, hypotension, uh, electrolyte abnormalities, yeah. uh, from undermanaged endocrine dysfunction. Yeah, that's right. So it depends on, I guess, if you have all the hormones that you that you described before um, fail, then that's pretty that can be life threatening. Especially, I think the adrenal insufficiency mm-hmm. is the sort of life threatening one. Or um, the other ones, you know, obviously, um, inability to reproduce and, you know, severely impact your quality of life if you have um, growth hormone or thyroid hormone deficiencies. Um, I think you become prone to infection and some other inflammatory yeah, so conditions with adrenal yeah, so insufficiency. The, the adrenal insufficiency is a weird one, isn't it? Because because mm. um, sometimes that, that only s- um, comes to light when you have some sort of stressful event in your life, like an infection or some severe psychological event even. Because the normal function of your adrenal gland is to increase your stress hormone release. And if you can't do that, then you can fall in a heap. So what can happen is someone can have something benign, like a what would usually be a fairly benign infection of some sort. And then uh, that triggers an you know, adrenal crisis and they can have cardiovascular collapse and it can be life-threatening. Mm. Um, which is, you know, the last thing you think of someone comes in with a UTI and, and in shock. Yes. You're not thinking, oh, this woman's got Sheehan syndrome. No. <laughs> Well, you probably wouldn't know. Um, you, you might not even notice what's going on. No. So, I, I definitely got the uh, impression as I read through the papers that... Yeah, I don't know. sounds like there's an emergency going on outside. We'll just... Um, just pause pop, this for a second. Pop your head out the yeah, door and find out which... Uh, hopefully it's not one of our theatres. If that's the case, we'll resume later. I'm going to press pause for a second. All right, hi everyone. We're back again. Um, nothing serious, I don't think. That was very eventful. Good, good pick up. Uh, so I, I just thought I had a bad case of tinnitus, but um, no, it was the emergency <laughs> alarms from the post-emergency care unit. You could hear the bells ringing in the in the PACU, but mm. um, it was good. There's plenty of people around, so it's all sorted. I don't even know what it was. 
So where were I we? I think it was an airway emergency. Where were we up but to? I think it's fixed. Oh. Um, I don't know where we I were. I think we were talking about Sheehan syndrome. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> saying that uh, reading the papers, I get a real sense that uh, the it's not an absence of hormones that the patients develop, but it is an overall low level of endocrine function. Yes. Which... Uh, makes the diagnosis challenging yeah so i think there can be a range um so so the the investigations usually like blood tests mm. for hormonal levels which yes. sometimes need to be like base levels or stimulation tests, yes yes where you give a hormone to stimulate the release and see what happens but um or you do an mri which is the sort of gold standard imaging and there are some people who still have some pituitary yes so they have some function and certain um Hormones are, uh, you know, f- or hormonal um, functions are worse than others. So, yes. So it can be uh, a mixture. It's, it's, it's not all or nothing. Mm. Know, and which the makes other it complicated. Thing, and the other thing about the MRI imaging is that the initial, uh, well, if the pituitary is uh, imaged at the time of the event, usually there's no abnormality detected. Yeah, I think you'd have to and wait it takes a lot, quite at a least long time. six months. Yeah. Before the. Um, uh, abnormality becomes more obvious. Yeah, so I think the acute Sheehan syndromes um, usually present with breastfeeding failure, but yeah. there's so many other things happen around time of like uh, time of delivery when you have a postpartum hemorrhage that usually it gets sort of put down to the mm. fact that they just had trouble um, initiating breastfeeding. They were in ICU for days and they were sick, and you know, it just sort of gets put down to other things, isn't it? Exactly. Um, so, what's the treatment? Transplant? Uh, well, uh, no, 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 no. Of avoiding the problem in the first place, yes, if possible. Easier said than done. It is, it is. But, but yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, so, the so, more we, the good. more we attend to um, so, patient blood management principles. But in fact, you know, just having um, you know the difference between the incidence in a developing country where there is no obstetric services available mm. and developed world where there is, there's a huge difference in the incidence. So obviously. Giving birth at home and having no access to uterotonic drugs and having a PPH and yeah, and likely being anemic before yeah. uh, delivering, as opposed to having the ability to to um, be delivered in a safe place mm. where the risk of hemorrhage is lower. It's, obviously, that probably makes a difference too. Yes, um, and then uh, treatment of the uh, endocrine dysfunction. Yeah, so, so replacement of the hormones which are um, sub clinically or clinically deficient yeah that's right and obviously this is all um, so a lot of this um, that we're talking about should be supervised by an endocrinologist who understands these things much better than any of us would um, I did read some interesting things which uh, one was that during a um, uh, like an adrenal uh, crisis which is pan hypopituitarism well that's a mouthful isn't it? Yeah, say, it that, is. say that 10 times quickly um, so if it's not just uh, one hormone, so say, for example, someone's got hypothyroidism and hypoadrenalism, you should treat the hypoadrenalism first. Yes. If you just if you give them thyroid hormone only, that can Make things precipitate an cri- adrenal crisis. Mm. And then the other interesting fact that I read was that um, sometimes, if it, especially when there's been this long period of years and years and years before they get diagnosed with the, adre- um, the adrenal insufficiency, um, that they have increased um, corticosteroid receptors in their CNS. So when you give them this, the cortico, corticosteroid, they can sometimes become psychotic. Right. Um, because, you know, one of the side effects of prednisone yes. and things is um, 
psychosis. Altered mental state. Psychosis and mm. insomnia and things like that. So they're more very sensitive to that. Um, so you, suddenly you're, you you fix up their um, adrenal insufficiency and make that better, but yeah. they go a bit crazy. <laughs> That's interesting. But it I guess that makes sense. It makes sense that over years and years and years, um, if you've been deficient, you, 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 upregulate your essential your nervous system um, alters itself. Mm. All right. Um, so treatment, yeah. So cortisone or prednisolone um, replacement therapy for adrenal insufficiency, thyroxin. Growth hormone, they say that you should replace that. It's usually an injection, just like um, you know most bodybuilders or um, members of the Tour de France team. Uh, Peptides. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then um, I think uh, in females they do give them HRT or estrogen for bone density and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's that's all I got. Yeah. Yep. So time for a joke. Time for a joke. Okay. Hey Roger, <laughs> what do you call a Frenchman wearing um, jandals? Don't know. Philip Philop. <laughs> Horse walks into a bar. Barman says, "Why long face?" <laughs> Put a boom. <laughs> okay. um, how many um, how many psychologists take to change a light bulb? Oh, uh, one. But the light bulb has got to want to change. Correct. Mm. How many abstract artists does it take to change a light bulb? Mm, I don't know. Fish. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Okay, that, that one's pretty shit. What do you call a What do you call a guide dog that does magic tricks? What? A labracadabra. <laughs> okay, stop, please. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so I think we'll finish there. We've had well, it's been we've had a lot. We've had an airway crisis. We've had um, the bells going really, off. Some really shit jokes. Yeah. Um, we've discussed the ASM. So I think we've covered most things. Yes. Um, should we do? Should we chuck in another quiz? Yes. I'm going to put together another quiz. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Even though we're, we're very slow at answering the quiz, mm. I'm going to put some uh, a couple of pictures up. One's going to be a serial killer. One's going to be a doctor. And this time you have to tell tell us which one you think's which and who they are. And bonus points, obviously, if you can figure out who they are. Excellent. It's pretty good, I think, because uh, I think you are supposed to be able to reverse um, search Google image on Google Image Pictures. And I um, I put up the last one and I tried to re- I. I I tweaked the photo a bit and then tried to reverse search. It didn't work, so it was good. Is it there was an anonymous. app? Is there an app? You can just load the image into Google and uh, ask it to search for for a matching uh, web page or something. Wow! So I don't know why, I'm did, telling, why did, am I telling you when this? What, what <laughs> is going to make it easier for what, them to answer? What them. did you add in? I can't remember to, doc- now. to Dr. Shan. Um, I think I just. I think I just trimmed it and cropped it or something. Okay. And made it, I can't remember what I did. It wasn't like a fake moustache. <laughs> Thanks for giving me an idea here. Yeah, I might give him a beard, send him to um, Shane Warne's sort of hair replacement therapy. Yeah, toupee. Yeah. Okay, when, when did that? Thanks, Graham. You better go and see if your patient and recovery's all right. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Oh. go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review. This will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.obsandguinecritcare.org where there will be lots of show notes and links to interesting videos related to the topic that you just listened to. See you again next time.